Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this Monday, the 30th in January of 2022. I'm your host, Michael Kimmett, bringing you the four most crucial current events in cyber and technology that you need to make it through, hopefully the start point of your work week. And we're going to start in Belgium, where we need to talk about ransomware, specifically LockBit. LockBit is both the name of the ransomware module that many businesses were the victim of. It's also the name of the group behind the operation of that tool because they made it and built it and maintain it. And they have a lot of customers or affiliates that they allow the use of or operate, uh, conduct attacks on behalf of some of those customers. It's a good setup for the group because with all these affiliates, they can make lots of money and they're one of the top 10 most prolific ransomware groups throughout 2022. The problem is that their source code was leaked in 2022, and now it looks like they have an impersonator targeting at least some businesses, or small to medium businesses, SMBs as they're called, in Belgium, according to some reports. Why this matters to the average person is because as simple as it might be to say who's conducting this ransomware attack against me, It's not ever quite so simple from a cyber defense standpoint when anyone can impersonate a specific cyber entity like Lockbit and conduct criminal activity. It really muddies the water. What you need to know is that ransomware is going to continue because criminals, in this case impersonators of Lockbit, are making money by ransoming businesses both big and, in the case of Belgium, small to medium. However, not all is lost. Ransomware will not continue forever, or at least in the way that we know it. And that's because law enforcement is making concerted efforts to help shut down big ransomware groups. And law enforcement from multiple countries, led by the United States Federal Bureau of Investigation, has helped disrupt the operations of one of the larger ransomware groups known as Hive Ransomware. They've taken control of some of the infrastructure or those websites or command and control nodes that Hive uses. They've gotten decryption keys that they've provided to some of the latest Hive victims. And they've seized other elements of Hive operations as well. It's unclear if any arrests were made. It doesn't appear to be that way. But coincidentally, the Federal Bureau of Investigation is now offering 10 million US dollars which will go to anyone who can link Hive operators, operations, or Hive ransomware in general to foreign governments. So it looks like the Federal Bureau of Investigation might believe that Hive ransomware is operating at the behest of, funded by, or staffed by members of an official government. Unclear if that would be Russia, China, North Korea, Uh, Maybe some other one we haven't thought about yet, but in any case, if you know anything about Hive ransomware, its operators, or who's directing that traffic, you might want to get in touch with the FBI because you could be entitled to 10 million US dollars. We're going to move to Russia, where Russian threat actors have, according to multiple reports, been linked to at least six different wiping malware. Now, this is actually really important because in Ukraine, Russia forces continue their invasion of the area. And we know that Russia employs cyber as part of its overall warfare strategy. 
and the computer emergency response team in Ukraine, known as CERT-UA, is saying that they have investigated claims in January that were made on a Telegram channel called, quote, Cyber Army of Russia underscore Reborn, that there were multiple attacks against the Ukrainian National Information Agency. Now, the Ukrainian National Information Agency, again, was the victim, allegedly, as confirmed by multiple news outlets and the CERT UA, to be targeted by Russian cyber threat actors. These are attributed to the Russian government. And uh, the wipers used include Caddy Wiper, Zero Wipe, S-Delete, Awful Shred, Bidswipe, and even some new research suggesting there's a tool called Swift Slicer. This all matters because... While we talk about ransomware impacting systems, wipers actually just delete people's data, and that can have a huge impact on how much debt you owe, how your electric power was configured, and uh, it can be very devastating to businesses, but also have real-world implications. And these wipers range from Windows to Linux to an operating system known as FreeBSD. And so it's uh, very pervasive in what the Russians can delete. It demonstrates a high level of sophistication in terms of uh, the types of elements that Russia can target, and also that they're not Windows-centric. Uh, they're moving to other operating systems that people will utilize. And it also speaks to the level of funding to build, maintain, and utilize six different wipers, which is substantial. So uh, one thing that Ukraine has taught everyone in the world is more of the capabilities of Russian cyber actors and cybersecurity researchers can take these details to help understand, build defenses for, and hopefully prevent future Russian cyber attacks. Now, we're actually going to end today regarding the Ukrainian conflict where Russian forces have invaded, because there has been a significant kickback. There was a lot of uh, discussion and a lot of pressure, and uh, at the end of it all, uh, Germany decided that as part of NATO, they would support Ukraine by sending tanks. Now, for the Western, Western world, some folks might not understand the cultural significance, but whenever Germany has historically sent tanks towards Russia, it's, uh, it hasn't gone well. Uh, World War II is a good example, and so there's some strife there about the use of tanks specifically via Germany to uh, Russia as regards to historical conflict. But NATO said that uh, Ukraine needed tanks in their war. Germany was uh, pressured to do so and ultimately decided to send a number of tanks to support the ground war in Ukraine. Uh, predictably, Russians were upset about this decision, and they let the world know a pro-Russian cyber group known as Kelnet that conducts sort of harassing attacks that disrupt websites and take down and disrupt services, uh, have conducted wide-scale operations in response to this German sending of tanks to Ukraine. These distributed denial of service or disruptive attacks targeted, according to a German federal spokespeople, uh, airports, uh, federal and state websites uh, that administer both uh, federal and state level government uh, services, as well as financial institutions uh, across the country. And so if you are thinking about how your support to Ukraine will be perceived, 
Uh, it may be a good or right thing to do, depending on who you are and your opinion of the conflict, but also it could come with some very serious consequences. Now, we don't know for sure that Kilnet is directed by the Russian government, but it is a pro-Russian group uh, with feelings and desires, and a lot of their actions align directly with what the government of Russia would want. And so whether it's the government or not, what you need to know is that your actions will merit, in this case, a criminal response from pro-Russians who are defending their right to believe what they want by demonstrating it in a criminal manner, manifesting in disruptive attacks that you could experience if you're a government or a large business taking significant action in Ukraine. That'll do it for me today. Thank you all so very much. Have a fantastic and outstanding day. It's going to be a great week, so stay safe, stay strong, stay healthy, and we'll see you tomorrow on Tuesday. Michael Gimmett signing off. Ciao. Welcome back, listeners. Today's tip of the cap goes to an athlete out of the Florida State University collegiate system. The Seminole, Jeremiah Davis, is getting a sincere tip of the cap for his winning long jump at a recent track and field meet in Arkansas, where he jumped three consecutive times, 8.21 meters. And that is significant because it is further than his last long jump at a meet just two weeks ago where he was victorious with a jump of 8.17 meters. So to you, Jeremiah, a sincere tip of the cap for showing that even if you can win at the collegiate and fantastically high levels of track and field, you can always improve, set records, break barriers, and be a better all-around person and athlete. So please keep on jumping.